everybody. Welcome to a new episode of DFV and a special festive one today. I am your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I'm your co-host, Brad. That is your co-host, Brad. And uh, today we got a film, we got a set of films here that uh, was by no means my choosing. (laughs) This is all on Brad. Um, Today we are watching uh, The Year Without a Santa Claus, the classic 1974 stop motion animated film and the uh, live action remake that uh yeah uh we'll we'll just get into that right so brad uh what inspired you to make this uh great selection here so first off the year without a santa claus the 1974 version is a classic christmas movie and when we were talking about doing christmas movies and everything like that of course you know, you have everything from the stop motion movies done by uh, Boston Rankin, who basically have created what most people visualize for Santa Claus, you know, Yetis, Rudolph, everything like that, with <laughs> all of those stop motion animated features that they have created. And then. When I was talking to somebody earlier this year about, like, different classic Christmas movies and everything, they brought up, oh, yeah, there's that live-action remake they did for the Santa Claus one. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I didn't know there was a live-action remake. Is it any good? And they were like, no, no, it's it's probably one. It's it's not good. (laughs) And I was like, go on. No, no, go ahead. I want to hear the story. Yeah, so... I immediately looked it up, and I was like, okay, it stars John Goodman as Santa Claus. We have Ethan Suppley. We have, you know, Eddie Griffith. We have a cast here, and all the reviews for it were just one stars. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is the perfect episode. (laughs) You know, we're going to get into this here, but when you have... A, a literally talented cast here. Yep. Like John Goodman, Eddie Griffin, um, Ethan Suplay, I believe, was in it. Chris Kattan. Yep. And this was during Chris Kattan at, in his heyday. Right. Like the Roxbury time. And you managed to fuck that up. Uh, that's, that's something special. Right. So that's special. as soon as I saw the cast on this, and the story behind it is it aired one time on NBC and then it never aired again, and it got a DVD release that, even then, I think it was such a limited DVD release, it barely got out there. I only managed to find one copy of the DVD at a library, you know, out by uh, where my mom lives. And nowhere else had any semblance of this movie. So I was like, yeah. okay, this is this is definitely a double features episode. I We, we need to check this movie out because we watch a lot of great movies and sometimes we got to watch something bad to appreciate the good. (laughs) And I think this, this, this is our palate cleanser right here for the end of the year. Yeah. You know, I, I just, um, was able to find this on the internet. I feel like there's like a whole copy of it on YouTube, uh, for this, of this film. Oh, probably. um, (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I was able to see it on there. But the thing is, you know, if if I didn't if I wasn't able to see that, yeah, I probably would have had to go scouring like you did to find this movie. So sometimes when things are hidden, they're hidden gems. Right. Mm-hmm. But in this case, uh, there's a reason this is hidden. Right. Uh, there's a reason this is uh, s- s- scratched from the earth. Uh, <laughs> damn near. <laughs> But look, we'll, we'll get it. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, we are. Um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll get into that. So let's get into. Um, I feel like chronological just works here uh, because we got to see the good to appreciate the bad. Right. So we, we just got to start off with the animated version here. Yeah, there's no other way for us to start than the original. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay, so we're gonna top it off here. 1974, the year without a Santa Claus. Um, you know, Rankin and Bass, uh, like you know, Brad said, uh, very classic movie. Um, short one hour, uh, uh, well, under one hour uh, animated film about Santa Claus, uh, who you know one day wakes up with a cold, and uh, his doctor that checks on him says, 
dude, you know, no one believes in you anymore. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, you should stop overworking yourself with this whole delivering gifts thing. So Santa decides, well, all right, I'll take a, I'll retire. I'll, I'll take a vacation. I'm done. So that, so in, everyone kind of goes into a panic where Mrs. Claus decides to, you know, enlist two L's, Jingle and Jangle, to try to uh, come up with a plan to, um, you know, still have Christmas going on and, you know, um, not have people lose the spirit because uh, kids are starting to, it is that some kids are starting to lose spirit in Santa Claus. So, you know, it's pretty straightforward. It's just about trying to, uh, you know, uh, pump up the Christmas spirit and, you know, the spirit in old St. Nick. I mean, it's really, that really is what it is. And a whole lot of singing and very inventive stop motion animation. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to, you know, bass and Rankin, they definitely have stop motion down. Their stop motion is seen as like some of the legendary works of these Christmas kind of short films that they've made that all come in pretty close to the same time of like 45 to an hour long. And mm-hmm. yeah, even like by today's standards, the stop motion on these are absolutely amazing that they go through and everything because there's a lot of time and patience that you had to have in order to make those minute changes to get a picture like this going for this long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I admire the craft, right? I, I feel like my thing with a movie like this is like, it's like nightmare before Christmas, right? When we watched it, I was like, Hey, I admire the craft in this. Mm-hmm. I, I see why it's a, why it's a classic film. I guess the music in here is kind of better than in Nightmare. I mean, I don't, just personally, um, you, you know how much I love musicals. Oh, yeah. It's your favorite uh, genre of movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, I got to say, I got to say, and I'll say this. When, um, I don't know if it was Snow Miser or Heat Miser. Oh, when Snow Miser came on, uh, on screen, his song was actually pretty catchy to me. Mm-hmm. I, I liked his song. I forgot the name of it. Yeah, I, I'm Mr. Uh, White Christmas. There you go, Mr. Mr. White Christmas. I like that. I, I liked his character. I thought, uh, well, I like a lot of the characters in here, but I thought Snow Miser and Heat Miser and their little beef with uh, Mother Nature being in the middle of it, uh, I thought that was pretty cute. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of pretty nice elements and stuff like that because it, this is overall a children's movie. It's mm. it's a very mellow kind of theme and everything of you following two elves, Jingle and Jangle, who have taken Vixen, one of Santa's reindeer, in order to find somewhere that has Christmas spirit. And in doing so, they get themselves intertwined in the chaos of South City, I think it's called. South City. Uh, I believe so. It was South City or South Town. Uh, But yeah, it's... South South Town. South Town, okay. And Mm -hmm. this is a city that has kind of uh, lost its Christmas spirit. So in an effort to try and find some Christmas spirit to bring back to Santa Claus, they have found themselves in the worst place possible to find said Christmas spirit. And mm-hmm. it's it's a cute story, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely one that if you put it on for kids and everything like that, it's it's exactly what it, it needs to be. It's it's a classic story for a reason. I will say this is one of those films that if I watched this as a kid, I probably would be a little less sour to it today or a mm-hmm. little a little more receptive to it today, so to speak. Like, okay. Like, all right, yeah, I remember that movie. But I always remember pictures of a snow miser and, and that's kinda like all I remember, so to speak. Uh wait, was what is that his name? Yeah, snow miser and heat miser. Yeah, I, I remember seeing pictures of them. And that's kind of like all I remember about the movie, like because okay. uh, like um, I never really watched it as as a kid. So looking at it today, I'm like, OK, I see it. I, I see the, the cult classic. Well, I see the classic in it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely is one of those movies that if you have seen their works as a kid, it being able to see like the images and everything like that, it just brings back those memories and being like, oh, I remember that movie. And mm-hmm. even now, it, it's a nice short movie 
that gets through its point and everything. There's not really any fluff in this. You know, th- there's no downtime. Yeah, it gets to the point. Um, it gives you it, it pretty much just gives you what you're you're looking for. You know, a mm-hmm. year without Santa Claus and, uh, you know, uh, uh, a, a children based uh, animated Christmas television special. It gives you what you're looking for. Now, whether that's kind of like, you know, great cinema or anything like that is different. But I believe it, it gives people what they look for. Yeah. Yeah. This is by no means trying to go in for an Oscar. There's no trying to be the greatest Christmas movie ever here. This is just trying to be a simple Christmas story of Mm -hmm. finding that Christmas spirit and everything like that. And with beautiful animation, the stop motion done and everything like that, the musical numbers are actually pretty nice in this one as well. None of it comes off as like, well, I'll admit, I watched this one as a kid, so I've seen a lot of the, you know, Bass and Rankin movies as a kid, so they all have that kind of special place in my heart where I'll hear that music and I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that, that that was a good one. It's so beautiful. Uh, It's so beautiful, it brings a tear to my eye. (laughs) But yeah, when I found out that you hadn't even seen any of these movies previously, I, I was surprised, because... This, this was like one of those Christmas classics that were always on TV along with like Charlie Brown Christmas and everything like that. Yeah, it's like I, I vaguely remember Charlie Brown Christmas, but it's like I I know of this movie. I just mm-hmm. don't I just don't remember the plot of it. Like, I know I hadn't seen Nightmare Before Christmas, but I always knew it existed. Mm-hmm. I think in some way or another, I've seen some of Year Without a Santa Claus. Oh, OK, so it wasn't completely new. It's just something that. Right. You, you have no idea, really. It's always in the back of your mind. Nothing in the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, ab- about the voice acting here, I think everybody nails it on the head. We got the classic oh, yeah. Mickey Rooney. Uh, we got Shirley Booth as Mrs. Claus. Dick Sean as Snow Miser. George Irving as Heat Miser. Bob McFadden, you know, go down the list. We got some great uh, voice acting here in this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have some classic people. Um, Yeah, Mickey Rooney as Santa Claus is one of those uh, (laughs) ones that you don't really think of too much. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everyone kind of fits their part. Um, Okay, so what so basically like the relevancy of this to you is that you you used to watch this a few times during Christmas or how how was it? This was one of those classic Christmas movies that would be on TV and everything like that on like ABC family and playing, you know, throughout the entire 25 days of Christmas. And this along with everything else made by Basin Rankin that they've produced and everything, which there's a long list. I don't know if you went through the list of everything else that they've made, but there's something over like 10 movies that they've made that are all the same, like, in the same realm of, you know, these Christmas stories. I remember the Rudolph one, for sure. Now, there, there's a couple Rudolph movie. ones, too. Okay, okay. They all look kind of familiar, but I, I remember a Rudolph one that was made by them. Yeah, because it. even then you have, like, the Island of Misfit Toys is one that's made by them, so everything that you hear of, like, that is from that movie. You have... A couple Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer ones. You have uh, Frosty the Snowman was one that they did at one point. You know, it- Let me tell you something. Uh, okay, yeah, I remember the Frosty one. Um, I was going to say, when it comes to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the best Rudolph animated film I've ever seen was the one from 1998. Uh, <laughs> coincidentally enough, you had John Goodman voicing Whoopi Goldberg, Bob <laughs> Newhart. You remember that one? I'm trying to remember if I've seen that one. If I see a picture from it, I'd probably be like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. Because I got to believe it was also a classic. Yeah, you'll remember like the the cover of the VHS. You'll remember that at least. Okay. Most likely, yeah. All right. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um, Okay, so just just pretty much just breaking it down here, man. Uh, Not my type of film. Uh, not quite my tempo, but I, I, I respect it. 
And you know, looking at it today, to keep it fair, I give it a, uh, I give it a two point five. Oh, okay. Uh, it, this one, it, it's a four out of five because it, it's just such a classic Christmas movie. It, it's one of those movies that whenever you think of like Christmas movies, it's something from Bass and Rankin always comes to mind immediately. Whether it's Rudolph the Red-Rosed Reindeer, this movie, The Year Without a Santa Claus, or one of the many movies they've made surrounding these ones. It's always one of those things. Like, I know a lot of people will be like, oh yeah, I always think of A Christmas Story and, you know, Home Alone and stuff. It, yeah, those always come to mind as well. But anything by Bass and Rankin always is just forefront and center whenever I think of Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I, I respect the craft, absolutely. Um, but I, I, I hear what you're saying here. So when, when we're looking at into that, we, we have to move on here to a, um, a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this next film. And this one, this is where the meat and potatoes of this podcast is going to be is talking about uh, the amazing 2006 live-action adaptation of The Year Without a Santa Claus. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's just jump right into it on this one. We have the live-action remake of A Year with the year without a santa claus which premiered originally on NBC back on December 11th of 2006. Starring John Goodman as Santa Claus, we have Delta Burke as Mrs. Claus, we have Ethan Supley as Jingle, Eddie Griffin as Jangle, and yeah, it is definitely one of the movies of all time for a Christmas classic. <laughs> More or one less. Of the movie, it's one of the movies of all time that exists that is a motion picture. Yeah, based on a Christmas classic. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> now, now listen. When this started, and you told me you pitched this uh, episode to me, saying, "Oh, there's this, uh, you know, classic animated film and uh, a live action remake that is terrible." I said, "Okay, I'll bite." <laughs> when this started, I had a little faith. I mm-hmm. said, "Okay, you know what? You got Santa Claus in present day. <laughs> he has a marketing agent, uh, right. you know, played by Chris Kattan, who's Sparky." I said, "Okay, this might not be too bad, and you got a nice cast here." So as it goes along, you know, he's playing the video games and everything. I'm like, okay, still not too bad. It's not, you know, it's not a high comedy we're looking at here, but not too bad. And then it just kept going on and on. And I'm like, okay, this isn't going anywhere and I'm not laughing. Right. All right. This this is starting to get a little annoying. And then you start being introduced to more and more characters and you're like, okay, there's a reason this uh, doesn't get uh, spoken of anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, right like the way that the movie starts is kind of just such a cliched start of being like oh christmas is so corporatized now and everything that even santa's workshop is a corporation and it's like okay it's a good joke let's see where they go with it oh they're not gonna go anywhere with it they're just gonna say the same stuff that everybody else says but they're gonna somehow make it not funny okay okay I'm still in. Let's let's go, movie. Let's see what you got. Yeah, it's just it doesn't give anything. Like like and you know, you have these characters. You have a uh, young Dylan Minnette as um Iggy, right? You know, a young kid in the film. But it's like you got so much opportunity. Listen, you have Eddie Griffin in your cast, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a guy that's like dynamic on screen, hilarious, and you give him like the the wackiest lines ever. You know, you got Ethan Souple, who can definitely do comedy, can definitely bounce off of Eddie Griffin, and you give him the wackest lines ever. Like, it's just so many opportunities where it is to, like, land a great joke. It fails horribly. Yeah. yeah, And you also have John Goodman playing a old and kind of done-with-it Santa Claus. And it's like, yeah. that that's like a perfect casting. If you were like, okay, we're going to make a movie where Santa Claus is just kind of done with Christmas, right, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to cast John Goodman as Santa. It's like, okay, you, you got my attention. And we're going right. to have some elves, right? Okay, of course, you got to have some elves. We're going to be played by Ethan Sipley and Eddie Griffith. Okay, you, you definitely have my attention. 
when is this masterpiece coming out and when can i consume it every day of my life going forward and somehow (laughs) above all odds they messed it up (laughs) Uh, yeah i i it's just it's just strange and frustrating to watch and then you have um see and here's where you could because I know these two characters can pull it off. I mean, I know these two actors can pull it off with great, great material. You got Michael McKean as Snow Miser, mm-hmm. Harvey Fierstein as Heat Miser. You, you don't get any better than that with these two guys. You know, and and they can sing. You know, they have the talent to like pull off those type of roles, and it still fails. Yeah, and that's just like that's just disappointing and, and heartbreaking. I'll say this: with the crappy material he was given. Chris Kattan tries his best to sell it. it, it he, yeah, that it, it comes down to, you know, yeah, because he does you know play I mean? like, <laughs> right. At the same time, Sparky is still like one of those characters that his entire thing is just being everything is profits. Everything is this. He's just a, the stereotype of like a business person that's helping Santa Claus and trying to take mm. over. But there's mm. really not too much to his character. Like, I will say, he does give it his all. Uh, I will even say, McKean as Snow Miser, I think he does great as that role. He just had nothing to work with there. <laughs> because you mm. see him pop on screen, it's like, yeah, that's that's Snow Miser right there. You, you got it. You nailed it. 100%. Right. Except for everything he says. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it just it just didn't make sense to me. And um I was watching this and it's just like so many great elements here that could work just fall so flat. Like the whole thing about Jingle and Jangle, you know, coming down to like Earth or wherever they were, I don't know. And then, you know, they come back and their sled is like uh vandalized or their vehicles vandalized and everything. I'm like, "Okay. Okay, he, we got we got room for a joke here. Right. All right. And it is just like some like, oh, you know, one liner. Yeah. And then I'm like, where's my map? It. And then that's it. <laughs> yes. It, it just sucked. And then you, um, you had somebody that was, uh, you, you had, you had, uh, Jingle fall in love with someone that was kind of like a, uh, like, 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 like a muscle woman a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, this could lead to something, but I'm like, oh no, they're just going to go for the safe. Uh, Jingle being uh, googly-eyed over this woman, and then that's just it. Yeah. Yeah, she never comes back in the movie after that scene where we have Jingle basically falling for the gym coach at the school that uh, Iggy is at. And she comes out and she basically does like, oh, stranger danger, kids. You shouldn't be talking to these two. Do you have, you know, reason to be here? And it's like, yeah, that's a very good point. These two like grown men are just at the school's playground talking to these kids and everything. And then they go to the arcade and, you know, talk with the kids some more and everything. And it's like, this is a very creepy subtext of this movie. (laughs) Such a strange movie, dude. And it's like, you know, when you look at that, right, it's like. So here's the thing. So with, with this material, right, you got Carol Kane as Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. You know Carol Kane can pull that off with the right material. Oh, yeah. But it's like even that gets like, uh, you know, botched. So you, you got all this classic talent here. John Goodman could have had perfect time to like, you know, uh, with perfect material. Uh, he, he could definitely sell it. Right. It's like you. this is a this is a this is a very tragic case where you, you have a stacked cast and stacked talent. But the writing is just not there. Right. And, you know, wonders could have been done for this role. John Goodman as a uh, just so over it Santa Claus. Come on. Yeah. It's not even like, oh, this is a packed cast and everything like that. No, this is a packed cast that is put into their roles perfectly. You know, none of Mm -hmm. these roles on paper sound like they shouldn't work. They all sound like. Oh, yeah, somebody that was casting for this movie knew exactly what they were doing. The writing team just kind of had no idea what they were doing. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. So it's just like the casting director who did this, they, they deserve a raise. Yeah, Give them a they raise. were on point. They did their job right. exactly how they should have. But, you know, it, it's just it's just it's just wild, man. It's wild and it's strange. So, you know, at some point while I was watching this, I, I got checked out. I mean, do, do you have any notes on how we're going like from the second act to the third act here? Uh, it's so one thing I will say as the movie progressed that it, it it got a chuckle out of me like in the middle and then it, it started being just overdone was Jangle's like addiction to television and his like references to everything TV because it, as it starts he constantly like is watching TV and being like ah oh, TV's the greatest thing ever and you know He's quoting different like shows and movies. He talks about like the Island of Misfit Toys. And it's like, okay, that's that's one of the other, you know, Basin Rankin movies that, you know, this movie is based off of. That's a cute little thing. He makes other references to like CSI and stuff like that. And, you know, even one of the movies when he's going through the pad is the original The Year Without a Santa Claus and everything. And it's one of those things that it's like, okay, if done right, there's great comedic potential there. It, so much. None of it is used whatsoever. The, the entire time, it, it's just drawn out kind of like speeches by a Dr. Phil-esque person that is going through and be like, well, according to this person, we should, it's like, no, shut up. I, I'm already done with this. Stop it. <laughs> You're repeating the same joke over and over. Get get some new material because there's so much that they could be pulling from from that like joke premise that they just right. falter on. Absolutely. I think um, the way this was like put together, it was just like, OK, let's just get the general story beats together and then the rest of it, you know, we'll do it live. We'll, right. we'll just we'll just put in some like generic dialogue. You know, they're actors. They'll they'll be able to sell it more than what it is. Right. And I'm like, no, that's not the way screenwriting works. Yeah. Who was also, responsible for this, man? Yeah. It it basically yeah, they definitely were like do it live. Like they figured out, hey, we have Eddie Griffin as one of the elves. What can we do that's funny with that? I don't know, when they blend into normal clothes, have him wear a jersey because, you know, he's black. And it's like, really? That that that's the entire joke. <laughs> so so okay, yeah, and that's one thing too, right? Like, you know, I don't because I know Eddie Griffin, he I, I believe he improvises on set. Oh uh, yeah. When he's when he's given the freedom to. So I'm like, when I watch this, I'm like, you you got an ace in a hole here with this guy. And I know Ethan can can bounce off him perfectly. Oh yeah. Was he not given that freedom or was he just given like, OK, just say the words on the script. Uh, OK, because I remember a story kind of go a little sideways here. You remember the animal? Oh, yeah. With with Rob Schneider. Yeah. The the very classic and <laughs> the animal. Absolutely. Hilarious movie. So mm -hmm. Guy Tory, who was in that film, uh, I believe it was Guy Tory. Uh, you know, he he played like, you know, kind of like, you know, the black sidekick in the movie, whatever. Now, Guy Tory, when you see him on stage, is hilarious. You know, he's hilarious. But when he auditioned for the animal and kind of did it his way, this is this is per his story. You know, everybody was like, oh, man, he's hilarious. And, you know, when Rob Schneider came into the audition, he was like, ah, just say the words that are on the page. Say the words that are on the script. And it ended up being less funny. Mm -hmm. And then that's the character he was in the animal. So I, I say all that to say you got to let the comedians be the comedians. Like, right. you know, some, you, you got to let somebody in, in, improv a little bit, not taking away anyone's shine. But it it, I, it fails to increase the, the um, purpose of this film to have Eddie Griffin in a movie where Eddie Griffin can't be Eddie Griffin. Right. When you're basically just going, no, 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 no. We want you to just be a black elf. That's that's the joke, you know. And it's like, okay, but you got Eddie Griffin to be that. You you there is so much potential that he could have just ridden off of for that joke to make it so much better. And to feel like you're watching Eddie Griffin in, you know, this movie instead of just 
eh, it's it's a generic elf. Whatever. There, there's a couple right. jokes here and there. Right. Michael McKean and, and Harvey uh, Fierstein. I hope I'm saying his name right. As Snow Miser and Heat Miser. You, you got these two guys that know how to do comedy. They know how to, like, you know, sing and do, like, Broadway-like stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And you just you just drop the ball and you just be like, yeah, just be Snow Miser. You know, just be a Heat Miser. Yeah. Nothing happens. Yeah, like, during the scene where they're having a boxing match and everything, it's like, okay, now we can see these two get into the character. Because when they're doing the musical number and everything for their introduction... It's fine. It's a redo of the classic, you know, musical number. It's fine. It's fun. It's jumpy and everything like that. But you really don't get to see them being the characters outside of just singing. And here you would actually get to see it. And it's like, okay, this is something original for the movie. Here's their chance to actually do something cool with these characters. And basically the entire joke is they just make you know, the same puns from the original movie at mm. each other of, you know, you're hot headed, you know, you're cold tempered. And, you know, it, it's just like, OK, it, anything new? You're going to try a single original thought in this scene? Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, it, This film just tested my patience, man. <laughs> uh, nothing good was uh, made of this here. And you got any final thoughts? On, on this uh, cinematic disaster piece. Oh, man. Do I have final thoughts? Uh, so many. Just so many final thoughts. I mean, we didn't even get into everything in the actual town of Southtown. And what's going on with, like, Iggy and his father. Which is some of the most generic, you know, Hallmark movie, you know... Oh, but my dad loves me, but he also works so hard because, like, that whole line of, like, I might be your dad, but I'm also the mayor is said so often in this movie that it just, it gets drilled into your head of just being like, I hate everybody in this family, you know? I I don't even like Iggy at this point because he is just so bland and being presented in this way. Of being like, yeah, okay, this is just how it is. Like, his interview at the beginning where he's, like, giving off these political kind of mumbo-jumbo terms. And it's like, you know, yeah. Christmas has become taxation and this and that. And it's like, God, it, no, stop it. You're, you're somehow making the characters that should be fun and poppy extremely boring. Yeah, I got you. Everything is, you know, taxation. It was just, it was just, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, for something that's supposed to be a fun Christmas movie, like, I get it. They're trying to be like, oh, Christmas is corporatized now and everything like that. It's an interesting joke, but they don't really do anything with it except make everything boring as a result. Mm, Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, man, it's just a very... It's just a bland movie. Like, I understand if there were, like, one-liners being said here, and it was just kind of like a, just a dumb comedy, but it's, like, mm-hmm. it's not even funny. Like, right. I didn't laugh once. Chris Kattan tried his best to sell it, but I just didn't laugh once. And, and it just did nothing for me, man. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just make it plain. This is one star. Oh, yeah. There's, you know... I'd love to come in here and joke and be like, oh, yeah, this is five out of five. It's a perfect move. No, this is if we could go below one star, you know, I want to take, you know. This would be a zero star if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, that just seems mean. So you got to give it at least just the one star so it makes it onto the scale. (laughs) Right, right. Listen, I, uh, I kept it very fair. One star is what this deserves. Right. Yeah, it is definitely... If you love terrible movies, uh, don't watch this one. It, it's still not worth your time. If you're looking for a great Christmas classic, watch the original 1974 version. If you want to see you know, John Goodman as Santa Claus, look somewhere else. This, this isn't it. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is... So when everybody says that this is like one of the you know, worst live action interpretations of any movie. It, Yeah, 
100% agree. Yeah, I um this this one is just like totally horrible. I I just it's just not for me. It it is it I gave it a chance. Listen, that's what we do here. We give films a chance. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, they're either great or they're not and this one just was uh bad. Right. And and that's the worst part is. It's not even like this is entertaining bad cuz we've watched entertaining bad movies before. And when you hear that something is bad that has this kind of cast, you think, okay, it's going to be entertaining bad, but it's not. It's just so bland and soulless of a movie that you can tell that every actor in this was just completely constricted and not able to, like, go out of the script in any way. You know, because you have so many people that you know can bounce off each other. I would love to see another movie with Ethan Suppley and Eddie Griffin in, you know, some kind of duo team and watch them be able to bounce off each other in a natural way because it seems like one of those perfect mashups. And we sadly did not get any kind of like freedom in this movie to see that kind of like comedy duo go anywhere yeah absolutely i uh i agree with you it's just i like it i mean it's not even i it's bad yeah and you know there ain't nothing else to be said there it is a bad movie and that's that's just where it lands right there so without it being said listen even though i wasn't even a big fan of the movie without it being said (laughs) i knew 20 minutes in Oh yeah, the animated film is better. It's just, it's just no question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the animated movie has soul. It has purpose. You know, it is, it's telling a good Christmas story. And while it's not out there to be like funny, it does have some jokes. It has some good musical numbers in it. It, it has amazing voice acting in it and amazing stop motion animation. It, there's a lot to love about that one. And even when it's not for you, it, there's something about it that's like, yeah, this is a classic Christmas movie. You know, the 2006 live action adaptation is just absolutely soulless. It is just trying to grab onto the idea of a Christmas movie and forgetting what it's supposed to be every step of the way. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just... um it just wasn't for me, man. I just, I just didn't like it like that. So, going from that, right? Uh, I just want to like uh, go into after show here because I just want to, you know, just wash the stench of this uh, film off me. <laughs> uh, what have you seen lately? Uh, I know Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon just dropped. I haven't had a chance to catch that yet, but I know that this is part one of two that has released. Uh, is there a release date for part two yet, or? I don't think so. I think we got to wait for the jumbo for our director's cut to right. release first, and then we'll have uh, part two. Right. Yeah, because it, I remember this one started off as kind of his oh. Star Wars script. Yeah. Listen, uh, I'll say this. I know uh, critical reviews haven't been as favorable, but... I'm going to give it a chance. Zack Snyder is a very imaginative director. Uh, He proved me. Listen, I don't want to say he proved me wrong, but he really did wow me with Justice League, uh, his cut. And I think this is going to be our I think this is going to be if best, it'll be entertaining. Right. So I'm I'm excited to watch it. Oh, and in part two, there is a release date, uh, April 19th of 2024. Okay, so that's not too far out. Because, yeah, that's one thing is when you split a movie into two parts and everything and yeah, it's going to be an original work by Zack Snyder. So it can be either amazing or it's going to falter on a lot of steps because he has a great mind for visual cinematography. He Mm -hmm. doesn't always have a great mind for the story writing. Sure. So when it comes to it being an original story by him as well, I'm sure the movie is going to look absolutely beautiful. It's going to have some really great scenes and everything like that. But Mm. 
we'll see how it turns out and everything. I haven't looked up early reviews of it and anything. I know it just came out this weekend, so I haven't had a chance to catch it yet, though. You know what I hate is that when it first came out, you know, everybody was like, uh, oh, 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. What a failure. And then the 4% got bumped up to 20 something percent. And I'm like, okay, see, that's why I don't go by those initial first reviews there. It, 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 sometimes you just got to, wa- well, not sometimes. You, you, you got to watch this stuff for yourself yeah. to see, you know, what it is. It, you also got to keep in mind, this is coming out during the time where most critics are in Oscar mode. And oh, trust going me, through- I know. All of those movies, and then they're watching something like Rebel Moon, which isn't supposed to be the Oscars best of the best. It's supposed to be a fun sci-fi movie. And to some, a lot of critics, that just completely goes over their head. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I can can hear you on that. And then, you know, it's like, uh, hmm, uh, well, this does not have the same gravity as American fiction. Right. It's not supposed to. Yeah, like you know, it's 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 a Zack Snyder movie. This isn't making me think like the holdovers did. Yeah, because it's not supposed to. It's supposed to be a space opera with people with laser swords fighting each other. Shut up and enjoy the movie. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Listen, I like James. I like Zack Snyder. Um, you know, whether whether he uh, wins or fails, I think he, he puts us all into it mm-hmm. um, and there's a great visual flair. And I remember one day uh, when I was in college at MSU, he had came to speak to us, uh, to speak to some film students who came into this uh, like 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 kind of like lecture hall that he was in. It was very low key. Um, he was filming Batman versus Superman on MSU. So he was asking, everybody was asking him some questions. So I asked him straight up. I said, hey, what motivates you to go, you know, like, like, like so grand in your filmmaking? And he told me, um, you know, he looks at the storyboards of when they're about to shoot every day and he gets excited. I, I get that. Of I, I see that through Zack Snyder's work. I think he's mm-hmm. very excited about the work he does and he, he loves to show off his visual flair. And I think the film looks better for it. Right. He definitely has a great eye for the visual flair. I will say that of all the movies that he has done, I don't think any of them have disappointed on a visual level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, basically, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that, too. So talking about, uh, you know, switching gears here, uh, I want to talk to you about uh, what's going on with, uh, well, Jonathan Majors. We haven't talked about this in some time, but, um, you know, uh, ever since uh, he had a, a guilty verdict for, uh, I believe it was two counts out of four charges of misdemeanor mm-hmm. assault and harassment, uh, got dropped by Marvel. Uh, so he's uh, he's no longer king. Yeah, this his guilty verdict came out just a little bit after we recorded our last episode. And yeah, it is one of those things that you know as soon as the guilty verdict came out it was within an hour that marvel had announced that they had dropped him as king for the upcoming you know everything for the mcu and it's kind of sad to see him go because he is a fantastic actor absolutely and he was absolutely great in loki loki season 2 uh, he was fine in Ant-Man Quantumania, but at the same time, it, it's one of those things where I wanted to see him grow as King and see where they went with it. And now I know a lot of people are constantly throwing out like, oh, they should have so-and-so play King now or so-and-so. And, you know, they got to recast it for this person and that person. And I love how like, Half of the time, people are like, hey, this person should play it. The person, like, comes up on Twitter and goes, no, I don't want the role. Why would I want to be? Oh, yeah. <laughs> John Boyega. Yeah. Uh, he was see, one of them. The, this is both the best thing and the worst thing about social media. You get to connect with some of your favorite actors or creatives or whatever. And, you know, you kind of feel like you got autonomy to kind of tell them what they should do mm-hmm. with their career. And John Boyega was like... No, I don't want to be Kang. Right. Like, 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 you know what I mean? Like, whatever that is, leave that alone. They'll they'll make whatever decision they make. 
Um, you know, I feel, I feel like this whole situation is unfortunate, you know, for uh, for Jonathan, of course, and for, um, you know, the, the alleged victim as well. Um, but I want to say there was a film that Jonathan did. Uh, it got great reception at Sundance that I don't know when we'll be able to see it now. Um, it was called Magazine Dreams. Mm. Um, I don't know if you heard about this one, but uh, it had him, Haley Bennett, Taylor Page. It got a lot of great reception, but now because of the allegations, well, because of the, now the Gitsy verdict, I don't know when we're ever going to see this. Yeah, that's one thing is he had a huge rise in his stardom in the last just two years. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's it completely gone now. We'll see what happens in the future and everything because... Yeah, it, it, cancel culture is one of those things that really doesn't last. It doesn't last. Yeah, it doesn't last. So we'll see if he bounces back from it. But at the same time, it, it's also a question of will studios want to work with him because of his guilty verdict on all this? I think he'll still get independent roles for a while. I think mm-hmm. he'll still be on the independent scene for a while. Like uh, I haven't heard from him in some time, but even Army Hammer. I think it's just a matter of time where he gets his next independent film role again. It may be a while, but, you know, I, I think he has. He's not totally out of the woods. You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't think it's like a ditty extravagant amount of like you've had years of of, 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 of dirt on your name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like that. But, you know, it's going to be some exile. It's going to be some exile. But I, I feel like he'll in the long run. He'll, he'll be all right. But um, what I wanted to say was, yeah, I don't like that magazine dreams is being held back. Like, I don't feel like other talent that was in that film should suffer because of stuff going on in Jonathan Major's personal life. This is a whole film. Right. You know what I mean? You know, I, that right there, I don't like. And uh, he was great in Creed 3. I feel like yeah. if none of this stuff, can't, if none of this stuff happened, if he wasn't involved in any of this, I feel like Creed 3 will make him a contender for Best Supporting Actor. He was great in that movie. Yeah, there's... His trajectory was just unlimited and -hmm. where he was going and everything like that up until this happened. So it's really sad to see because there's so many movies and appearances he's made this year that it's like, yeah, he is a contender for Best Supporting Actor for so many roles and so many that people want to continue seeing and yeah it there's certain people that get hit by this kind of stuff and it will tank their career i think he's going to be one of the people that actually can make it past and come back into the spotlight and hopefully everything that he's done is behind him now and he doesn't continue that kind of you know behavior and everything of course but yeah yeah i mm-hmm. yeah go on no i was gonna say yeah I, I i want him to uh make it out of this i want him to uh redeem himself and um you know it, it's always sad to see someone talented you know because like we look at robert downey jr right mm-hmm. you know when he he was acting up back in a back in the 90s you know what i mean having his own personal issues then he came back as iron man you know what i mean he had his re- redeeming arc he got himself together I want to see that for Jonathan Majors. Yeah, he's one of the people that I'd actually be rooting for to return. Because when you have the people that typically get caught by this kind of stuff, you don't really root for them to be able to bounce back from it. Because mm-hmm. even like people like uh, Kevin Spacey, where it's like, fantastic actor, I don't want to see him return. You know, he's yeah. he's done enough that enough. it's Fair. not forgivable. Right. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. And I and I, I hear you on that. Absolutely. Uh, but some people you go, all right, let's just let's just give it some time. Let them, you know, let 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 let, let them kind of like find themselves and redeem themselves and, 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 and come back. Right. So but yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see where Marvel goes, because obviously they can recast King. But on the other side, they it seems like the Kang storyline was something that they exactly weren't having fun with in the beginning anyway. So we might see them shift away from Kang entirely 
especially now that they have this opportunity. Dude, I told you, Marvel's been so much up in the air for me. I, I, I've been checked out. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Listen, whatever they do is what they do. It's Marvel, so they're going to have fans. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but you know, hopefully this leads to something like more exciting. Um, one thing that kind of did make me laugh and, you know, you got to find humor in some of the stuff is that, look, when you're fighting with your, your loved one, or when you're arguing with your loved one, you know, sometimes you say things behind closed doors, you wouldn't say out in public or whatever, you know, Mm because it's it's a fight. You you don't say things, you don't say rational things in the fight. When the, when the audio dropped of him saying, you know, I'm a great man. You know, I, I'm like MLK and Barack Obama. You need to be like Coretta and Michelle Obama. I'm like, isn't isn't this woman white? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, that kind of did make me laugh a little bit. Because I'm like, when you're in an argument, you don't say rational things. Right. You're not saying things that make sense. You're saying things that come to mind right away. There's no filter to be like, hold on. Is this a structured sentence or am I just, you know, growling? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that kind of did make me chuckle a little bit. Like, all right, that's that's strange. But um, yeah, we'll we'll just see how it goes, man. We'll we'll see what happens here. Uh, any plans for you this weekend here? Any movies you plan to uh, catch up on? I know you say we're watching Rebel Moon here, but uh, yeah, it, Rebel Moon. I, I really want to see the dream scenario with Nick cage. Uh, I believe that's on streaming now. I just had to catch oh. it. Yeah. You're going to love it. Oh yeah. And then it, there's a couple other movies that I want to see. Iron claw is in theaters. Now I plan to catch that. There's a couple others that aren't coming to mind right now that I just have on my list that I plan to watch and everything before the year is up. And yeah, it is definitely we're hitting a high for movies coming out after the actors and writer strikes have finished. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we definitely have hit a high for sure. Uh, all right. All right. So moving on from that, uh, look, folks, you know, uh, thank you for joining us on another episode here. Uh, remember to, you know, uh, watch movies, uh, you know talk about movies and like, share, and subscribe. Uh, Have a good one.